This is Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. Your host, Carl Valeri, has over a decade of experience counseling pilots. Aviation Careers Podcast will help you navigate towards your aviation career goal. Here is your host, Carl Valeri. Welcome to Aviation Careers Podcast, episode 129, Finances and Your Airline Career. This is the podcast where we try to inspire and educate you on moving forward in your career and your life. One of the most important and many times undiscussed aspects of your career is your personal finances. You know, we're all kind of you know a little uncomfortable talking about finances, but I have somebody with me that's gonna gonna really help us out there. You know, back in episode 82, we discussed avoiding a two million dollar mistake in your pilot career. You know, we received a lot of feedback from our listeners and have been asking many questions regarding personal finance. Although I spend much of my to- my time, you know, when I'm coaching clients and putting forth a plan for their finances while they're pursuing a career in aviation, what you do now and when you finally land your dream job of being a pilot is a little bit different as far as savings. But today I have with me Annie Garrison, who's a financial planner and someone who focuses on the unique aspects of finances and a career as a pilot. You know, we're really excited to have Annie on the show and to discuss financial considerations while considering a career in aviation and what to do while you have your career and how to move forward. Uh, welcome to the show, Andy. It's great to have you here. Hey, thanks, Carl. Really excited to be here. You know, Andy has a, a real unique uh, practice. Uh, before we get started on the finances, there is something else I have to mention. I forgot the announcements. Uh, a, couple, a lot of you are asking about the 2017 Scholarships Guide. It is out. It's on Amazon. It's in the iBook store. Also, if you're a member of Aviation Careers Podcast, which is $10 a month or $100 a year, uh, you actually have access to the online directory. The online directory basically is where we pull everything and put it into those books. Uh, with the books, we do update those uh, occasionally throughout the year on Amazon and on iBooks, and you can uh, re-download those. And we'll let you know when we do those updates. Also, another thing we're doing is we're constantly trying to add courses to the website, and we have a new course offering. If you remember, we talked about the Advanced Holding Patterns video series, so the Chris Pazala. Well, we just come to an agreement, and we're placing it into our directory of uh, videos that we have on Aviation Chris Podcast. So that's going to be available to you as a member to actually watch that whole series. By the way, the first video is free, so go ahead and watch it. There's a link to the YouTube, which is the first uh, video there, and check that out. If you're interested in more, you can always uh, become a uh, you know member and actually be able to view the whole series. But anyway, on with the show. Um, Andy, you know, one of the things that's really interesting about the pilot career, there's so many unique aspects. Today in this episode, we're going to focus more on airline pilots because uh, corporate pilots, etc. There's there's a, a few things that are a little bit different. Uh, not, a, not a lot, but a few things that are different. But there's a lot of uniqueness in our piloting career uh, compared to somebody who's working, say, as an attorney, uh, a financial planner, you know, anybody who's is actually working as a lawyer, that type of thing. So there's there's some unique things. So let's kind of go over, you know, a couple of, of the few unique things within uh, finances and in our, our piloting career. Uh, one of them, of course, is uh, I feel is, is an aspect of, you know, what you – your pay and understanding how your pay is and, and what you should do there. But how about some other things? What, what are some of the things that are unique to a pilot and his career and the finances and things that they should consider when they're considering a job as a pilot? Yeah, Carl, as you mentioned, becoming an airline pilot is, 
not only an admirable career, but a, a pretty cool one. It's something that makes a lot of us on the outside a little bit jealous as you go through. And as you go, it's uh, it's quite a journey to get there to where people, a lot of people anyway, ultimately end up wanting to be. And that's at a major airline or a legacy carrier. But along that way, just as you mentioned, there's several things on the financial end that we want to make sure we're thinking about and keeping in track. And one of those is encompasses more than anything else or just the unique risks you face in an aviation career. Uh, as we all know from flying that once you identify risks, a lot of times they can be managed and mitigated away, uh, but you still need to identify them and be aware of them to begin with. And so on the highest level, there, there's two big considerations. One is how do you build wealth and and kind of diversify your income and, and keep yourself safe through the lean years early on if you're coming up the civilian route and as you go through your career, what are you doing to manage those risks? And so happy to dive into those specific ones if you'd like. Cool. Yeah, no, that sounds really good. As a matter of fact, uh, interestingly enough, I think, you know, I'm getting a little older. I'm 50 years old. And uh, so we ha- I work with a lot of people, 50s, 60s, et cetera. And the second part of that, you know, how, how to really, you know, protect your wealth is incredibly important to a lot of people. So uh, one, what I want to do is make this episode you know, pressing it to people that are actually airline pilots now and to what things you need to think about. But let's start, let's start at the beginning though. Here's, here's somebody that's listening right now who's a flight instructor, who's thinking of becoming a flight instructor. My gosh, you know, really, should I start saving now is, is one of the questions I always hear. And I, I personally say yes, but as a financial planner, you know, why should they start now? Now's now's always better than later when it comes to money. It's a good rule of thumb to, to follow. Um, but you know the, the reality of it is, as we see that, and you're talking to someone who's maybe you are taking a big pay cut because they're switching careers into aviation, or they're building up hours as a CFI, or about to do that. And what we really find a lot of times is, is yes, you should be saving, but also exploring those ways that you can generate additional income outside of your flight training pay or. Uh, any additional flight pay you may have. And and most of the time, just like if you're in a stall, the, the way is point your nose down and, uh, you know, and accelerate out. Same kind of thing. If you're not able to save, you got to kind of put your nose down and find those things you can do to generate some additional income or income on the side and really use that to build up and start piling up your savings uh, regardless of where you are in your career. And I think that's hard for people to, to swallow, especially those uh, right now listening that are just starting out. But, you know, I... I think even if you put like three, five percent of your income away, it looks like a small number, but over time it really does grow. There's, there's many different examples out there, uh, and you can you can start today. And a lot of people are shocked at that. You know, I can't start, but yes, you can start saving today. Uh, but also, you said other considerations as far as you know trying to to increase your income by doing some other things. What what are some examples of that that you have? Yeah, absolutely. And, and, you know, it's really interesting. There's pilots, of course, that come up the civilian route and pilots that come up the military route. And, and of those, oftentimes in the civilian route, you find some career changers or people that maybe got a, an undergrad in something different. And there's a certain set of skills. And a lot of times we think that generating more income can be really complicated. But it's really just taking an inventory of what you're good at, what your skills are. And sometimes it's hard for us to see those if we're so close to ourselves that it helps to ask those around us and those that know us well kind of what our superpowers are and identifying some of those things to really sort of step out of even the aviation field to some degree, even if it's just a couple hours a week that lets you get to where you're saving that three or 5% and 
you know, Carl, it's hard to uh, hard to to talk with you and not think of kind of your, your story and how you found some opportunities throughout the way to uh, explore some other passions you have and, and use some of your strengths, whether that be the career coaching you've done or uh, or the podcasting, of course, or the scholarship guide that you've created. And so there's always opportunities out there. Some of the, the interesting ones I've seen is I, I know a lot of folks in the pilots that have taken a commission sales role on the side. Uh, sales isn't for everybody. So I know other people that are graphic designers or writers or maybe have a passion for something and they want to try to create some online training and online courses. And so there's a lot of those opportunities out there. It's just stepping back and really realizing that, hey, this is something that is really doable and it is possible. And just identifying, actually making a list of what your top skills are and what you're passionate about and then trying to figure out who in the world needs these skills and linking the two together and finding what that may be. You know, Andy, while you're speaking, I thought, gosh, you know, most airline pilots own real estate. And you always hear about airline pilots getting into real estate. It's not always the best thing to do. As a matter of fact, I've been a landlord for 20-some-odd years. I am no longer a landlord. And uh, it has more to do with wanting to concentrate on this. But the, it's, it's a business. It is a skill set. It's, you have to be able to manage that, that property. You know, speak a little towards that. I'm sure you've, you've seen this happen before that, you know, all, all the, the buddies at the, you know, at, at the airline will say, hey, you know, let's get into real estate. That's a great thing to get into. Do you find that there's a lot of folks that wind up getting into that as opposed to, to a, a quote-unquote regular type of uh, a job, like a consulting job or sales job? You know, I, I would say yes, especially as folks get farther on in their career and they're looking for things to do with that discretionary income. Because as you know, and a lot of folks listening, as you get into the majors and you start ticking up on the seniority chain, that the income does start to climb. And the interesting thing is that the folks I've found and that I work with that tend to have the most real estate are often the most complicated. And a lot of times that's because they may have started their career in the military and then moved from place to place owning a home and it started accumulating those. Uh, for folks that didn't come up the military route, there, there's two types of people I found that own real estate. One, that regret that they own it and it takes too much time away and, and wish they uh, could devote that time to something maybe they're a bit more passionate about. And then others that, uh, to your point, have realized this is a business and fully embraced it and made that their core business and what they're really doing and, and all the things and time commitment and, and dollar commitment that goes into that. Yeah, and. I, as in this podcast, we like to be really transparent. Uh, as far as my commitment to my real estate business, I, I wanted to commit to this. Don't, it is a great thing to get into if you're interested and you want to build wealth. And through that, it's enabled me to do a lot of other things that it wouldn't be to be able to do otherwise, uh, like putting the, the scholarships guide together and being able to, to, you know, finance certain, you know, different things that I do on the side and, and certain charities too, and, and be able to put money towards those charities that I love to give to. Uh, and it is, it's a great thing to do, but, um, and I'd love to hear your opinion on this. When you do get into something part-time, you really have to be able to, uh, make sure that you're concentrating on your, your primary career, because a lot of times that part-time or, or other job, et cetera, that in increases your income, say it's in sales, et cetera, can sometimes take you away from your goal. And, uh, and it's really important, I feel, to focus on that, that one career goal like in aviation. Uh, how, do you have any advice to people? And how, how do you balance that out in doing something on the side and also uh, working towards a career in aviation? 
Yeah, I think that's a great point. And what I'll, what I'll a lot of times spend in the very beginning working with folks is understanding what that dominant focus is. And for 99% of the airline pilots out there, it's being an airline pilot. It's flying. It's that passion of flying, getting in the air, breaking the two-dimensional levels that, that most of us are stuck with at our, at our desk jobs throughout the day. And so you've got to, to your point, keep that in mind. And, and one of the first ways I have a series of steps we walk through is we look for other ways to identify income. I look for what I call parallel streams. So what are those things that are very close to your main goal of your aviation career and you're flying that you might be able to do? I think you and I know some of the same people that have, have taken that to heart and, and done it, whether it be writing different columns or publishing articles or other things, still in the aviation field. And so there's a lot of areas that, that can go into that to keep you wrapped up. But we as humans, and this is partially my opinion, but we as humans, we're, we're meant to focus on things. We're at our best when we're focusing. And so what I'll tend to do is recommend that, that we keep our focus and our eyes on that and, and do what we can and save what we can but we use the time that we have down and we use that time wisely to really identify if it is an income problem at this point in our career to, to be able to save and kind of protect ourselves and, and diversify our income. Then, well, let's take some of that time and, and not to, to throw anything out there, but let's uh, you know, let's skip the YouTube videos sometimes. Right. Or let's cut back on Facebook time or, uh, you know, or whatever it might be and use that to say, what are we really passionate about? What can we do that is parallel to aviation and then where do our skills match up with that? I, I love that. That's a great analogy. And when you're doing this in parallel, and you, and you just said something there, you know, put the YouTube videos away or whatever it may be, it really does work. I am a testament to that. I didn't watch TV for eight full years. Eight years, imagine that. I knew nothing about the news, but you know what? You find news from people. If there was an earthquake in, say, California, I'm sure my friends will be talking about it. So I really did miss out on much. But I tell you what, it enabled me to build a business that, you know, was able to grow and wouldn't have been able to grow without taking that time. But let's let's go back to something else. And while you were saying that, there was this great example. I just had someone uh, talk to me the other day about this. When you're looking at parallel type of, of jobs, et cetera, or, or ways of making money, one of the things to look at, I feel, is the whole picture, and I'm, I'm sure you'll agree with this. I have uh, uh, somebody who's interested in working at a certain flight school and getting their ratings, et cetera, and needs another job but wants to get another job while they're working towards their ratings. And what that person did is they actually wound up working for that school. And you know what's really neat? Not only are they making money, but they also get a discount on their flying, a big discount. And that's incredible. And there's all the, because so not only is, is making money isn't just making it, earning it. It's also saving and, and being able to move forward in your career and putting it towards something that's going to make you move forward in your career. I'm sure you probably have an example somewhat similar to that, Andy, but this is something that I, I thought was so exciting when I heard this. It was just a couple days ago. I'm sure, I'm sure you'll agree with that. Yeah, and, and I think that's awesome. I mean, and how parallel is that, right? I mean, it, it's a, you know, at least a triple win, I'm, I'm maybe more. So I, I think that's fantastic. It sparked. I've got a, a, a client individual that I work with who's a pilot and just uh, made his way. He's in his second year now um, with a major as a first officer and loves photography. And so he's going to all these different places and finding really great things to photograph when he's on layovers and that kind of thing is actually starting to turn that into a, you know, a viable business too. And, and so it's, it's just really interesting. And when we kind of commit that, hey, this is something we're passionate about and I know that we're capable of finding 
some type of stream that, that goes alongside it that you can either save money with or, or make more money to do more of the things you, you want and to drive you forward in your goal, a lot of things just open up. You start seeing things and noticing things when you realize it is completely possible. And, and you think outside the box a little bit, you know, how many people were going through that school that, that didn't ask those questions or didn't pursue that like the individual you were just talking about, right? And, and so it's just really exciting to see when we release ourselves and start thinking about that and, and opening up and seeing the possibilities, what actually comes forward. You know, a lot of times we're constantly either talking or we're, you know, not listening or not looking. Sometimes it's best to just sit there and think. Open your ears, open your eyes, and just like you said, you know, you'll see opportunities right in front of you that you've never seen before. And I think that is just awesome. I think that's terrific. Um, before we get into talking more about uh, airline pilots and some unique things there, uh, and of course, Andy, we could talk for hours and hours about finance. I'm going to get a lot of questions. And by the way, if you do have questions for, for Andy, just send him a feedback at aviationcurspodcast.com. We'll send them over to Andy. But one of the things that's interesting is you talk about aviation and in our discussion here, like you have a passion for it. How, why are you interested in this? And, and how did you get interested in this aspect of finances and also in aviation? Yeah, so it's, it's kind of, a, you know, here we are talking about finding the link in the parallel fl uh, flows. And it took me about 12 years to get there myself, right? <laughs> um, so. It, it's an interesting story. I mean, I've been in love with, with aviation and flying and uh, at the time, just mostly general aviation since I was five or six. And my grandfather really was the one to bring it to me and, and show all sorts of things. Well, there's all the pictures of him standing next to the classic Yellow Piper Club that every, or Cub that everybody from that generation flew in or just talking about it and seeing it. And as I just got older and, and started growing up, I just couldn't stay away from it. And long story short, like a lot of folks, I went to college and I got my undergrad in economics and kind of built out from there and ended up getting my MBA in finance and, and decided financial planning is where I wanted to be pretty much right out of college. So did that for several years. And then about what's been, well, I guess, close to eight years now, my wife got me a gift certificate for an introductory flight, which was my first flight lesson ever on my birthday, which is in January. And it was going to expire in October. And I finally went and used it in October and uh, was shocked, of course, of all that I was missing and, and all that came into it. And so as I, I did that and, and started flying and loving it and kind of fell into working with a couple airline pilots as clients and realized that, wow, this is these are the people that, that motivate me. These are the people that I, I can do the most for that I feel are underserved out there. And so it just kind of came together once as we were just talking about it, opened up my mind and said, how what role can I play? What career can I play in aviation? And for me, it was continuing off kind of parallel of what I was doing as a financial planner and now really focusing on that. And so that's kind of how it all came together. So where are you flying now? What are what have you been doing and what kind of ratings do you have now? Yeah, just have my private rating right now. Uh, I've been flying locally. I'm out in the Kansas City area. So any of those people in uh, Kansas City know New Century Airport and Johnson County Airport are the two general aviation with a lot of business uh, traffic as well, but airports uh, around here. And so most of my time spent if, in either a 172 or a nice old 152 that I could rent for 80 bucks an hour wet locally. <laughs> <laughs> awesome. I tell you, one of my favorite airports there is Kansas City downtown because they have this really cool museum. I'm not sure if it's still there, but uh, the Aviation Museum and has a big TWA yeah. exhibit. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, it, it's a fantastic museum. We actually, when my wife and I got married about six years, well, right at six years ago, I guess, uh, we had our reception there and it was the coolest thing. I couldn't tell you anything about what happened or the reception or who I saw because I was so enamored with everything in that museum. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. It's, it, you know, this is what's really cool about aviation. Here you are, you've turned, you've been able to do this, this whole parallel here with aviation and also with financial planning. And, and I, I love what you're doing because I personally, uh, love to help people, and I think financial planning is a great way to help people. Um, but before we start talking about airline pilots, etc., you also you have your MBA, but you're also what's called a certified financial planner. One of the things that I, uh, especially in life in general, we get bombarded with people that want to help us out financially, etc. And uh, building trust is really, really important. I found whenever you're handing over. You know the the range to your career, the range of you know your money, your purse strings, etc. Uh, one of the things about being a certified financial planner, I think, that's different, is there are certain certifications and certain uh, a level of of uh, integrity that you have to be held to. Uh, and I'd like you to talk a little bit about that using a certified financial planner, as to opposed to talking to the guy that's sitting next to you in the cockpit. Yeah, definitely. I, I, I thank you for bringing that up. This is something that, that I'm kind of passionate about, not just with financial planning, but every area. And that's, you know, get a, get advice from someone who, who's qualified and looking out for your best interest. And and a certified financial planner is, for using an analogy that one of my clients thought was a, was a great analogy, so I'll carry it on. It's, it's kind of the ATP rating of financial planning in the sense that you've got to meet certain experience requirements and knowledge and education and testing requirements to get there. And it's a that's the number one thing to look for, in my opinion, when when you're meeting with someone to talk about your finances, because you just know there's a certain level of education, knowledge and qualification there. The other thing that's really important, if as I describe it, if there's something involving a dollar sign and you're talking to somebody who could get compensated for conversations around financial related things, you want to work with somebody that's called a fiduciary. And that's just a fancy legal term. It's actually the, the oldest legal term in, in the legal dictionary. And it stands, it just means someone who has a legal obligation to always do what's in your best interest. And the and unfortunately, a majority of people holding themselves out as, as financial planners or financial advisors out there don't have to operate in that capacity at all times. So those are my two soapbox things and that I, I suggest people kind of look for in those situations. And that way you just know that you're getting objective advice. It's really geared to your best interest and backed up by somebody with the, the knowledge and training and experience. I'm glad you brought that up because one of the things that I really stress is somebody to find somebody uh, in financial planning that is a fiduciary who has your best interests. Uh, not everybody does, and, and a lot of times you, you see it all over the Internet. Like you said, they, they aren't acting in your best interest. We're not obviously here trying to, to sell anything, but we're, we're trying to make sure that you go out and you get somebody to help you with financial planning that has your best interests in mind. Like for, with us, with coaching and our career coaching, we care about what's happening to you and we follow you throughout your career. Years later, I mean, I have I have stacks of people that I follow up with on on a yearly basis. Say, hey, where are you? Oh, I just made captain on triple seven. I'm just I'm so happy. That type of thing. That's what a financial planner should be. Is somebody who you're gonna have with the, the rest of your life. It's it's like I this is what I tell people. When you're picking your financial planner, make sure you pick one just like you pick your doctor, because you know your doctor has your life in their hands. Your financial planner has your retirement in their hands, and your financial life in their hands. So make sure you do that. I think that's really, really important. So 
Now, and, and all that information you can find out on the website. We'll have links to his website here, Andy's here. It's Air Speed and Money. Uh, some really great stuff there as far as coaching and finances. Uh, but let's get back to the conversation on airline pilots. Let's talk a little bit about some finances. Now, what's going to happen here, a lot of folks listening to this podcast uh, may not be able to envision this because you're just starting out. But we might talk about some numbers here that, that may seem out of bounds for you. But when you become an airline captain or a first officer, senior first officer, these are things that you're going to be interested in. So uh, one of the things that I feel is really important uh, when you're looking at financial planning as an airline pilot, really important, is looking at insurance health-wise and also disability insurance, both short and long-term disability. So I was wondering, I'm going to start the conversation off there, and then I'm going to let you kind of chime in on some other things. But, but Andy, why is, let's start with short-term and long-term disability insurance. Tell us a little bit about, first of all, what that is and why that is so important to an airline pilot. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's a couple really interesting points that I think apply to everyone in the aviation field, and uh, but especially to airline pilots. And Short-term and, and long-term disability, the disability is basically not, it's not a positive connotation word, but it means that you're sick, hurt, or unable to work for some reason. Interestingly, a lot of us, depending on where we are in life and career, and when you're in your 20s, 30s, uh, and even 40s, you think, well, it can't happen to me, whatever it may be. And what a lot of people are surprised to learn is that with disability and becoming sick, hurt, or unable to work, the number one cause these days, even among airline pilots, is an anxiety, stress, or mental-related cause. It's not the classic, I fall off the ladder, putting up the Christmas lights, right? It could be any number of things. And so it's so important uh, for two different reasons for an airline pilot. One, because if you're in your early in your career and you spent all of this money getting your ratings, building your hours, and getting where you're in the right seat of a, or even the left seat later on in your career, you want to make sure that investment's protected. And so by getting disability insurance, you're essentially buying something that will continue to pay you if for some reason you become sick, hurt, and unable to work. There's a couple little intricacies that if we have time, we can get in there. Um, but one thing that I do want to point out for airline pilots that's critical and it might be the, the most important thing to consider as you begin exploring an aviation career is that you can lose your medical or your certificate or your license without becoming disabled by the definition that insurance companies carry. And that could come from any number of things. It could be a failed medical, right, or not being able to maintain that first-class medical. It could be for a number of different options that come up. And so you want to make sure that you not only have short-term, which covers really under six months of a disability, which might be an injury, but you also want to make sure you have a long-term, which for most airlines are going to cover you till you're 65, the mandatory retirement age, uh, if you were to get disabled for a long period of time. But you also want to absolutely make sure that under no circumstance you never go without having loss of medical or loss of license insurance. Because if you spend all that money on your ratings and you take the time to get to an airline career and something happens where you lose your medical but you're still able to work, you're out of luck if you're not insured from that standpoint. That's a great point. And, uh, and you know, some of the few things there that I want to talk about, um, every airline's di different. When you're making your decision as to what airline to go to, you might want to look at that. Uh, for instance, if you were to lose your medical, like you said, 
Uh, Long-term disability, the way it's defined at many airlines, will pay you until you're 65. And what's interesting is the formula, and, and there's lots of different formulas, and the percentage that you get paid can be, say, 50, 60, and higher. All, it all depends on who you work for. But what's really interesting is this. When you go on disability, and believe me, I know a lot of people have been on disability, and they usually say this to me. They say, Carl, this is what's really interesting. I'm actually making more money on disability than I was when I was working. Uh, there's a little bit of a fallacy in that. And and here's, again, we're, we're thinking outside the box. When you're at that income level, when you're in that two, top 2%, you're you're actually getting taxed at a, at a very high rate. When you collect disability insurance, that's not taxed. But here's the problem. You're also not contributing to your 401k. You're losing out on that. And also, a lot of times, you have to pay for medical expenses or medical insurance outside of that. That all depends on the airline you work for. So, But, but the one more impo- most important thing is, like you said, loss of license. And you have to look at the specific, and this is where it gets a little bit gray, and I'd love to maybe have you back on again and talk about this in the future, is you know, the different type of disabilities insurances and, and the loss of license. Because uh, one of the things that you, you keyed on is what in the world, what's the difference, for instance, between, say somebody has a heart attack, right, and they're on disability, then can they collect that disability till they're retired? Many airlines, that's true, yes. What if you lose your medical and it's for a reason, you know, that has, you know, say you have a, a drunk driving, et cetera. Is there differences there? And have you seen that, uh, Andy? And, and like I said, we won't go into a, a whole discourse on it right now, but I definitely want to have you on again and talk about that. So what are, what are some of the intricacies there? Yeah, you bet. You bet. And just like you said, we, we could talk for a while on this. Uh, some people find it really interesting. Some people might put to sleep, but it's stuff everybody needs to know. <laughs> and I, as far as kind of some of the intricacies, a couple things on the disability. You're, you're exactly right. I'm going to get just a tiny bit into the weeds here, but I promise we'll pull back up after about 20 seconds or 30 seconds. And there's really two types of disability policies that are out there. There's what's called own occupation and what's called any occupation, own occupation and any occupation. When you have a policy that covers your own occupation, that means that if you can't do what you do, so in this case, if you cannot fly an airline for pay, you are considered fully disabled. Now, you may be able to go and make a nice living teaching ground school or going getting another degree and doing something else, but as long as that policy is covered under own occupation, you should be able to collect those through retirement. And then the other one, any occupation, is a lot more restrictive. And what that means is, is if you become disabled, you and you could do any type of job. And this goes back to the, you know, the classic example here is greeting folks at Walmart. If you can go and be a Walmart greeter, you get none of your benefits. And so what you tend to see is a lot of air, uh, maybe on the regional end, offer either a mix for a short period of time where it's own occupation uh, then quickly switches to any occupation, or they just offer any occupation. At the majors, a lot of times, um, three of the four of the ones that are in my head right now will offer own occupation coverage for two years. But then if you're able to do any job after two years, you lose those benefits paying out. And so that's where some of the intricacies of, of matching that up with knowing what type of loss of medical, loss of license insurance you have can fill those gaps or those cutoff points 
even if you are able to get another job, if you lose your certificate or medical, depending on how that insurance is paid out, it's likely you can use that to bridge any gaps, but also extend beyond what the typical disability policy might cover under that more restrictive any occupation. Andy, that's that's something I would love to get more into. Unfortunately, we don't have enough time in this in this show right now, but I, I definitely want to have you back on. Uh, and I'd love to go over some other, I know we're going to have a lot of financial questions. I really want to get into an episode just talking about major airline pilots and their, their 401ks and that type of thing. But let me tell you this, when you become a, a major airline pilot, one of the things that you're going to want to do is max out your contribution. Andy and I are going to talk a little bit about that in another episode, the implications there, things like if I max out my first my contribution in two months, say I take all my money and uh, max it out, maybe two or three months, what happens? Does the and there's say there's a company match and there's you know what happens to that match? Do they discontinue that match? Does it? Do they make up at the end of the year or at the next year, et cetera? And those are the kind of things I want to talk about. And those are really important decisions when when you're talking about a career in aviation, uh, and also as an airline pilot. So uh, also though, if you're somebody that's that's really right now kind of struggling with some of these things. Obviously on Aviation Careers Podcast, we don't we don't give financial advice except for when we're coaching people trying to figure out a plan on how to be able to afford to move into your new career or how to pay for your career. Uh, you really need to talk to somebody who I feel is a fiduciary and or who is a fiduciary, excuse me, and that would be somebody like a financial planner that's certified financial planner, really, really important. I know I've talked about other financial planners on this uh you know, podcasts and those names, you know, I, I've mentioned are fiduciaries and it's really important. And, and Andy is one too. But Andy, if someone wants to talk to you directly and they want to learn more about your story or get some great information through your newsletter, where can they find you? Yeah, thanks, Carl. So the, the best place to find me is on my website or my blog, and that's airspeedandmoney.com with and spelled out. So airspeedandmoney.com. And there's kind of the, the hub, if you will, for all the different pieces. And feel free to email me directly at andy at airspeedandmoney.com. Or, of course, as Carl mentioned, uh, feel free to reach out to feedback at Aviation Careers Podcast. And we'd be happy to kind of talk through those together. Well, Andy, I wish I wish we could have you on again. I'd, I'd love to have you come back. And, and since you've been so gracious to come on and talk to our folks, I'd, uh, in the future, I'm sure we're going to get a lot of questions. And we are going to have that discussion about uh, airline pilots and, and other things. Uh, but one of the things I think that is important is before we leave, folks, is to you know really start thinking about your your career in aviation, but also your financial career. What what type of advice, gen, general advice, would you give somebody when they're where they're looking at their finances as a person that's looking towards a career or who's involved in a career in aviation, Andy? Two, yeah, two things, Carl. I think uh, a lot of times with finances, and rightfully so, we can get bogged down in the numbers. And, and a lot of times we look, if we're looking at making a career change or considering pursuing a certain path of aviation versus one or another, uh, you know, we can say, oh, well, maybe, you know, it's not the best financial decision and all that. And all I can tell you on that front is, don't don't live with any regrets on this. You can always figure out the financial end. There's always a way to make it work. Um, but as far as, as taking that aviation career, that airline career, um, I you know, want to make sure we, we leave on a positive note. So I'll circle back with that here in just a moment. Um, but the, the number one thing, and, and I'd be remiss if didn't bring this up, is that it is a volatile industry. Um, and what I mean by that is that there's res- what's called restructurings and 
uh, and even bankruptcies and, and furloughs and all of these things can happen, it's even and especially early on in, in your career when seniority is still building up. And so from that perspective, you want to make sure that you've got a plan for if those types of things happen. Right now is, is probably the best time we've ever seen in the aviation industry and especially the airline industry from a pilot's perspective or an employee's perspective for an aviation company. Um, doesn't mean bad times are coming, but great times don't always last forever. Everything runs in cycles. And so when you're thinking about this career, you just want to make sure you've got a plan for when things get a little hiccupy along the way and that you've got those backups in place. And that's where sitting down and, and building a plan and identifying those risks and mitigating those risks can really help. But at the end of the day, when you recognize that you have the potential to, to fly in a you know, a metal tube at 400 plus knots, uh, you know, five miles above the earth and, and get people to where they're going and connect families and help business get done faster and all these different things that come along with being an airline pilot, nothing's impossible on that front. And so it's, it's just a matter of getting that plan in place, identifying the actions you need to take and taking those actions and you'll have an incredible career and you'll be in great shape financially as long as you do the right things and have a plan and practice the right habits and continue to grow. And it's an exciting career with, with great financial rewards. And you just want to make sure that you're doing the right things along the way. Andy, you have some great advice and, and a you know, fellow pilot, somebody who loves aviation, is passionate about aviation and also about finance. It's been great having you on. We're definitely going to have you back on again because I'm sure we're going to get a lot of questions. That I do want to talk about some other topics as far as finances. And, and, hey, you talked about furloughs. I mean, let's have a whole episode on planning for your furlough. Obviously, I did that for over 10 years, helped people at the Airline Pilots Association that were furloughed and, and helped them out a little bit financially and, and you know, point them in the right direction direction uh, with a financial planner just like yourself but uh, we usually have a pick of the week this pick of the week today is actually your website it's airspeed and money uh, make sure you go out there and sign up for the newsletter some really cool stuff uh, that he has and uh, even uh, if you feel like you know everything about uh, finances you really don't uh, I'm learning every day and I study it every day and it's great to have somebody who their passion and also their life is revolved around uh, finances, and that would be Andy, and uh, I really, really appreciate it. Andy, we'll, we'll talk to you again on a future episode, and uh, also for those of you listening, make sure, you know, just like Andy said, you know, just, just move forward in whatever you, it is you're doing. Uh, if you're looking at your finances and you're thinking, gosh, you know, I'm not sure that I can contribute. I'm not sure if, I can, if it's going to make that much of a difference if I just put $100 a month or $50 a month away. I tell you what, start doing it now and, and do the numbers. Look at Andy's website, Airspeed and Money, and you'll see that you should really start doing that right now. But do that, do that today. Whatever it is to move forward in your career, in your financial life, take one small step. Because if you take one step, you'll take another and another. And soon you'll be well on your way towards your financial goal, and towards your career goal. Folks, we'll talk to you next episode. Safe flying. You have been listening to Aviation Careers Podcast, an aviation podcast about living your dream and pursuing an exciting aviation career. This aviation podcast is produced by the Valeri Aviation Corporation. Although hosts or guests may receive compensation for products and services discussed in this podcast, compensation never influences our opinion. Before purchasing any product or service, you should always do your own research. Music by Billy Wheeler. All rights reserved.